Welcome to Middle Grade Mavens, where two author mums discuss their favourite middle grade books, provide recommendations and share insider industry tips for authors trying their hand at middle grade. Julie Ann Grasso is the author of the Frankie DuPont mystery series, cupcake enthusiast and part-time library book wrangler. Pamela Eucherman is a writer, dancer and homeschooling mum who sometimes finds time for sleep. Both Julie and Pamela devour middle grade books, not only for research, but to share with their combined brood of four munchkins. Welcome back to Middle Grade Mavens for another Ask the Editor interview, where we give you insights into the Australian children's book publishing industry and prepare you for Kidlit Vic 2020. In case you haven't already heard about it, Kidlit Vic is a dedicated children's book industry conference, which will be held in Melbourne on May 30th and is voluntarily run by Alison Reynolds, Nikki Johnston, and Carl Vass. In this episode, I'm delighted to welcome Suzanne O'Sullivan, publisher at Lothian Children's Books, Hachette Australia. Hi, Suzanne, and thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Well, let's dive right in. So um, have, if you've listened to any of our previous episodes, you'll know that we love to hear about what goes on in the day in the life of a publisher or editor, and we know this varies a little bit. So would you share a day in the life of Suzanne O'Sullivan, please? Uh, yeah, well, every day is a, a little bit different, which is one of the things that I really like about this job, the amount of variety that there is. But as an example, uh, yesterday included a phone call with an author about how their recently released book is going. I, I worked on structural edit for a middle-grade novel had an editorial meeting where all the publishers and editors discussed um, potential acquisitions, uh, worked on finalising the cover design for the next Squid Dibley novel and had a meeting with an editor to discuss an upcoming picture book. So lots of meetings would be the very short answer and not <laughs> enough time for reading. <laughs> oh, that's shame. Because <laughs> it does feel like uh, it's a sort of seem like um, there'd be a lot of reading involved, but I guess there's a lot of talking as well. <laughs> there is, yes, and a lot of the reading ends up happening um, outside of working hours, especially okay. for submissions. Yeah, and do you get to the point where you feel like, oh, I've just got to read this, I've got to read this, even if you're sort of, you know, <laughs> you just want a break? <laughs> a little bit, yes. Yeah, yeah. Um. So in the US, there's a website, a website that's been um, spreading the use of hashtag MSWL among well, mostly US publishers, and it stands for Manuscript Wishlist. It's really interesting and useful to see what publishers are after. So what's on your manuscript wishlist in 2020? Uh, really good writing and strong commercial concepts. Uh yeah, a couple of more specific things that I would love to find would be character-based junior or middle grade fiction, particularly aimed at girls, uh, which I haven't had uh, so much of in the last few years, uh, books with environmental themes, uh, books that depict and celebrate diversity. But there's always scope for being surprised as well, like um, – uh, when I uh, was first sent The Bone Sparrow by Zana Freylon, I wasn't looking for issue-based YA fiction at that time. But as soon as that came across my desk, I was just like, this is a really special and wonderful book and I really want to publish it. Um, so sometimes you don't know what you're looking for till you see it. 
Right. And we're going to come back to um, getting excited about finding something amazing on your desk soon. <laughs> but it's good to know there, there, there's a bit of consistency among publishers about what they're after and there's, you know, some are looking for slightly different things. Um, and I wanted to clarify something which seems to be a point of confusion among aspiring authors. When a publisher says that they are or aren't looking for something, what sort of time frame are they usually talking about? Because, for example, you might be looking for you know, environmental themes right now. But you might happen to get five wonderful books with environmental themes on your desk in the next few weeks, and then you're not looking for those anymore. Um, and this seems to confuse people because I think there's a slight difference between, you know, what you love and what you're specifically looking to add to your list, and there's a time frame to it. So can you talk about that? Um, yeah, it is tricky because, uh, as, as you say, I might be looking for something right now, but in six months either I'll have already found things that fit that bill or have seen stuff that other publishers are coming out with and felt like that's filled that gap or that what seemed like an emerging trend is is over <laughs> um, uh, yeah but or I could still be looking and there are some things that are pretty perennial um for example, I, I like to do a Christmas picture book almost every year. Um, so, and, you know, Christmas just keeps coming around again and again. Uh, yeah, it's, get how frustrating it must be for writers not knowing exactly what pitches are going to work when. And also because of the timeframes in publishing, we're usually acquiring things at least a year before they'll actually end up on a shelf, um, which is why... Trends can be a very tricky thing. If you see something that's a trend that's going along really well and then you decide to start writing a book into that trend, there is a good chance that by the time, you know, you have it ready to submit to publishers that that trend is already ending. Yeah, yeah it's too late. So I guess um, the advice for authors is, A, just write what you want to write, write the best that you can, and also... Um, if you see that a publisher isn't taking something or is taking something, don't assume that that is valid right now. <laughs> mm. Just to be as difficult as possible. Oh, well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we keep saying there are no rules. <laughs> Just write good stuff. Um, so let's talk about word counts. We are trying to bust the myth that there's a hard and fast rule as to word counts and that each each publisher varies, and that rules can be broken under the right circumstances. So what range of word counts does Hachette aim for uh, for various ages of children's books? Uh, as you say, there aren't really super strict rules um, because there's always exceptions um, where a different length feels right. But for junior fiction, anywhere from like 3,000 to say 25,000 uh, depending on the, the type of book and the exact reading level that you're aiming at. Um, for middle grade in most cases around 50,000 is is probably about right. Again some can be uh, a fair bit shorter, some can end up being quite a bit longer and for, for YA I'd say 50 up to around 80 is generally right. One thing that I do see a lot is very long manuscripts that probably don't need to be that long. It's, it feels a bit unearned when you're reading it. Um, 
especially for for kids, your story and your characters have to be really compelling to keep kids engaged through a a really long novel. So it's worth worth thinking about, you know, not intimidating kids too much and keeping them engaged. That every that every chapter of that story is really doing its work. Yeah, and often um, the beginning is is the, the thing that you can probably cut back on, right, because a lot of people write their way into a book and it doesn't get started until chapter two or three. <laughs> yes, that's not at all uncommon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> so I have reviewed your wildly successful Nevermore and its first sequel, Wondersmith, by Jessica Townsend here on the podcast. We've heard you might have had an awful lot to do with that success. Tell us, when you first read that manuscript, what was going through your mind? Did you think, oh, my gosh, I found the next Harry Potter? Uh, Probably not that exact phrase. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it definitely stood out from most submissions. It it felt really polished. Um, You could tell she'd put a lot of work into getting it just right um, before we saw it. Uh, Her voice was really strong. In some ways it already felt like a, a classic, like I was rediscovering something I already loved and that's a, a difficult thing to to pin down exactly how she did that, but that was the feeling. And, you know, it's not just me. I um, at Acquisitions have to share things with a whole team across different departments of the company and everyone really got on board with it and there was lots of excitement and also lots of anxiety because it was a big auction um and but we were very excited uh when we finally were able to sign jess up wow fantastic Uh, well you're right it's such a great book so immersive you can just dive right on in there and really Mm. enjoy it yeah and there's a few more coming up as how many are there going to be Yes, there are, there's the fourth one coming this year and then, uh, sorry, third one coming this year and then fourth, <laughs> fifth and sixth coming in future, dates to right. be determined. To be determined. Wow, fantastic. Can't wait. <laughs> so um, after the contract uh, has been signed, what can an author expect in terms of an editing process and what is expected of them? Mm-hmm. Uh, so generally I um, do structural editing on my books myself for the most part and that would usually be at least two rounds of, of structural notes. So the author would need to be you know, open to discussing and reworking their manuscript at a broader level um, if needed, so looking at the plot, characterisation and other big picture things. Um, most of the time that will just entail me pointing out things that didn't seem to quite work. Um, I generally try not to be prescriptive in those edits to more sort of raise issues and, and talk to the author about how they, you know, might come up with something to resolve them. Um, and then once we've got the, the structure of everything looking good, comes a copy edit, digging into the, the nitty-gritty, more sentence-level stuff. And at that stage, they'd probably be working more closely with the editor than with me. Um, But there's also things like consultation on cover design and internal illustrations, if there are any. Um, And then it doesn't stop 
after the book goes to press because then um, we, you know, we really love it when authors can get involved with marketing and promotion of their book in the lead up to publication and afterwards. So, you know, we might ask them to record promo videos or visit bookshops and schools or um, do stuff on social media. So it's um, there's more to being an author than just writing a book and editing a book. It's taking it out into the world is a very important part as well. Yeah, and exciting too, yeah. Hmm. Uh, and do you find um, that as an author, you know, goes through more and more books with you, do you find that that editing process becomes easier and easier? Like, to, Can they predict, you know, what they're going to need to do before you even have to get to it? Um, uh, sometimes, yeah. I, I think... Look, I've, I've certainly heard authors say, and I know um, myself in, uh, well, I've heard authors say that each time they sit down to write a book, it's like they have to learn how to write again. They can't remember how they possibly did it the first time around or however many times. And it's the same as a publisher. Sometimes you sit down to do an edit on a book and think, oh, my goodness, what is my job? How does this work? What does it do? Um but you know when you've done a few books with someone and you've got a, you know a good rapport going that certainly makes it much easier and a good level of trust between the two of you makes a big difference as well because you're you know you're on the same team you all want the book to be the best it can be and have the biggest market that it can have yeah absolutely so just moving on from there um we've heard about authors uh, tweeting about their hashtag dream agent or hashtag dream publisher. So let's flip it the other way. What makes a dream author? Uh, well, they are a terrific writer, um, which, I mean, they can craft a distinctive voice and create good characters and a compelling story. They have commercial sensibilities, so they have a clear idea of what they are writing and where it fits into the market and things like that. But they also genuinely love the stories they tell. Um, so not just a bit cynically writing, oh, kids like this, so I'm going to write that even though I'm not into it. I think it's got to be um, something that you really care about. Um, they're open to editorial feedback, um, able to revise their work and in, enjoy that process, but also while still keeping a very clear sense of what they want the book to be as well. Um, and they're, yeah, enthusiastic about promoting their books and they can work to deadlines. That's important. It's <laughs> <laughs> a business, right? I need to remember that. Um, so if an author is meeting you in person for a manuscript assessment or a pitch, what will set them apart in that very short amount of time? Um, Hmm. I think it's it's always tricky at these things. People want to stand out of the crowd and sometimes you see kind of gimmicks or people come with props and, and things like that. But at the end of the day, what really works is just having a really good manuscript or pitch. Um, focus your energies on polishing your work rather than worrying too much about anything else. Um try to be as relaxed as possible which is a, a hard thing because it's you know it's a big deal to pitch your work to someone or to get a critique um and just to try and engage with me as a person I mean in a situation like this 
both of us need to feel that, oh, this is someone I can work closely with for the next year or maybe multiple years if it ends up being more than one book. Um, so, you know, that's very important that you can actually relate to each other as people. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I've heard from a couple of publishers is that at those events, they are just as nervous, frazzled, overwhelmed Mm -hmm. as the authors and illustrators are. So, you know, they are people too. So (laughs) we can talk to them. (laughs) Um, And so following on from there, how important is it to you that authors have an author platform when acquiring a book from them? It's not very important at all really uh it's nice um and it can be it can be really useful if that's something that you do have but the most important thing is just that you're willing to promote your work um in the way that feels right to you for example if you are not a social media person we wouldn't force you to to go on social media um so it's all about what's right for that particular book and that particular author. Yeah, that's great. That's really good because I think people get themselves tied in knots about that kind of thing. They don't really mm. need to. Yeah. And uh, how do you go about finding illustrators and cover designers? That is one of the trickiest things, um, finding good illustrators, new illustrators, available illustrators. Mm. Uh so sort of constantly uh, checking out uh, what's on Instagram in particular, but other social media as well has been such a useful tool. Um, going to conferences, things like Kidlit Written, Squibby conferences. Uh, there are quite a few websites now where artists can put up their portfolios, uh, craft markets, really just all sorts of places uh, as well as, of course, um, visiting bookshops and seeing what other people are publishing and, oh, well, the person that did those internal illustrations on that junior fiction, I wonder if they'd be right for this picture book or that's a really interesting cover design. Who did they use for that? So just anywhere I can is the short answer to that. All right. So there's a lot of keeping your eye out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, so I'm I'm champing at the bit for the third Nevermore book, which you mentioned before, which is called Hollow Pox and is out July 28. Is that right? That is correct. Um, so can you tell us some of the other junior fiction or middle grade books on your upcoming list that you're excited about? Uh, yeah, well, in March we've got the middle grade debut of Gallagher Girls author Ali Carter. It's a very exciting adventure called Winterborne Home for Vengeance and Valor and she pitched it with the question what if little orphan Annie was adopted by Batman and who could resist that question Uh, so that's a really fun one Uh, and in April the third book in the Squidge Dibley series by Mick Elliott called Squidge Dibley Destroys Everything Uh, like the whole series it's too gross for grown-ups it's got (laughs) hilarious cartoons there are robotic lice that can control people's brains there's a school talent quest that all goes disastrously wrong uh what i love about those books and it's something that i'm always looking for should have mentioned this in the earlier question uh mick is just so good at really entertaining kids um 
you know, he nails what gets kids laughing. And I really like books that are just this is entertainment for kids to enjoy. It's not, you know, trying to be too educational or moralizing. Kids are just going to enjoy it. Yeah, I, I think you've, between you and Mick, you've nailed Squidge Dibley. I have a seven-year-old boy who is absolutely in love with the series and cannot wait for the next one. Excellent. And he just, he reads them over and over again. So, yeah, brilliant, brilliant stuff. And what I love is that they're not relying on too gross humour as well, I think. It's, yeah, there's there's a lot of fart jokes out there and they're fine, but <laughs> this one doesn't doesn't rely on them. Yes, it's it's a bit more creative with it. It's not just gross for gross sake. Yeah, exactly. Wow, we're very excited about those. We'll keep our eye out, eyes out for them. Um, so, if an author thinks that they would have something that would suit Lothian and Hachette in twenty twenty, how would they go about submitting to you? Uh, well, you can come see me at Kidlit Vic in May, obviously, um, or we do have a submissions email, which you can send it to me and the rest of the kids team here, and that is childrens.submissions at hachette.com.au. Brilliant. Well, thank you so much, Suzanne, for joining us at Middle Grade Mavens. We look forward to see what else Hachette has in store for 2020. Thank you very much. It's, it's been lovely. To find out more about Kidlit Meet the Publishers and all the editors who will be visiting, including Suzanne, find out all of the details at www.kidlitvic.com. What an all-star cast we've had join us on our summer series. Next up, we have another awesome illustrator bonus for you. We welcome Nellie Mae Pierce into the Middle Grade Mavens hot seat. If you'd like to know more about the Mavens, log on to middlegradepodcast.com or to find Julie online, drop by julieangrassobooks.com and to find Pamela, stop by www.ueckerman.net. <laughs>